Hey, Echo family. We just wanted to take a moment and say, hey yo. Hey yo. <laughs> Glad you're here. Thanks for tuning in. Let us know that you're out there. Yeah, we encourage you to take your first steps into this life-giving local church and find the community and the support that you have been hoping for. Would you stop by Mayo High School for one of our services at 9.15 or 10.45 a.m. on Sundays? We would love to meet you. We hope that you will find Echo to be your place, your people, and your purpose. It can all be found in one space. It's what we're all looking for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We want to thank you for your obedience to God's word with the giving of your tithe and more. 1 Timothy 6.10 reminds us that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. We are thankful that God has created a way for us to fight against the love of money and evil by instructing us to have our hands open and ready to give. Awesome. If you are looking to donate, head to our website or Venmo us at We Are The Echo Church. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Yeah, awesome.
Hey, uh, just yesterday I was driving with my five-year-old daughter named Keza. And uh, how many know that that can just be a situation itself? And, and, and she, she uh, we were just kind of sitting there silently and just out of nowhere, she says, hey, dad, I'm, I don't know if you know this, dad, but I'm different. <laughs> I was like, okay, where is this one going? And uh, I was just kind of just sat there listening and she said, well, dad, I'm different. And you know why? Because I have a wart on my toe. <laughs> Which we're trying to deal with, trust me. But uh, I, today I want to talk to you about how we are different, that we're called to be different. We, we, uh, we have been set apart to do the work of God. And uh, in this uh, series, I have um, kind of carried this tension um, of drawing close to Jesus. Would you follow Jesus this close? Would I follow Jesus this close? And the tension that I have sensed is this, is a lot of times when we're talking about spiritual practices, it's, we can kind of grasp the idea and we can be motivated to, to try some of those things, but it seems like a lot of those disciplines are so hard to apply to our ordinary and everyday life. And uh, how many would relate to me uh, some point in high school or middle school or college, you sat in a class and about midway or maybe a couple days in, a couple classes in, you realize that you're never going to use this information for the rest of your life. <laughs> The tension is there to, to sit in church, to, to hear some of these messages and, and, and really go like, Ken, is this really going to be applied to my life? And my hope is that, that it would be. And, 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 I, and I kind of feel like what we've done as a, a large, maybe like what I'm saying, like overarching church and leadership is sometimes we over-spiritualize spiritual practices and we under-equip the church and it's people to live it out in their normal lives. And really, this last message in this series, my hope is to remind you and yet convince you that God has a purpose in your life and that the closeness and us drawing close to God and God drawing close to us has a specific purpose. And so if you have your Bibles, open up to Exodus 19, uh, verse 3. Exodus 19, verse 3. This is a, a very uh, foundational verse uh, that really uh, is, is invested within who we are as a church and what I believe uh, what God wants to do in every one of our, every one of our lives. Uh, this is what it says in verse three. Then Moses went up to God and the Lord called him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. When we read this, it's so easy to think, okay, let's disconnect. It might not really apply to us, but I would just like to remind you that we are, uh, we believe that, that when we, we step into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we, we are in essence adopted into the lineage of Abraham and downline is Jacob and we're adopted in essence because of Jesus. And so when, when we read this scripture that Moses went up to God and God says, oh, by the way, tell your people that it's not just applicable to people people many years ago, but it is applicable to us today. And this, it continues on. It says, you yourself have seen what I did in Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. What I need to remind you is this, is, is in a series that's titled, Would You Follow Jesus This Close? Let us not mistake ourselves or fool ourselves to believe that it's all up to us, but in fact, that really most of the movement and most of the work has been done by our Heavenly Father and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Can I hear amen out there? Jesus has done all that work. We, we have been carried on eagle's wings, and he has brought us to this place today. And verse 5 says, now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possessions. 
Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Let me, let me repray, repray, paraphrase that in essence. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be a kingdom of my shepherds and you will be my representation and you will be a different nation. These are the words that you are to speak to my people or the Israelites. I just want to tell you this is we are called to closeness with Jesus because we are his priests. We are his shepherds. We are his representation. I believe that with all of my heart, that when God declared this to Moses, he declared it over us today. That promise and that calling and that purpose isn't something that just stopped, but continues for us today. And I, and, and, and I just want to tell you today, I believe the pro, our proximity and our experience with the presence of God should lead, lead us into our purpose. And, and I believe this, all God's people are called to be priests. Where would you be priests? Would you be priests in your home? You would be priests at your workplace. You would be priests at school. And whatever context you might be in most of the time, God is calling you to be pastors. You are calling you to be shepherds. And he wants to use you in your everyday life. So here's my big idea today. This is what I want you to take away from today is closeness may not just be for your comfort. Your closeness as we desire to draw close to Jesus isn't just for your comfort, but for Christ to be with you in your context. But the problem is this, is can I actually do that in my ordinary, my ordinary life? And, and, and I think we all struggle with applying the spiritual practices and the spiritual disciplines to our, our life because I think, honestly, we've over-spiritualized it and, and, and it's become informational rather than transformational. That, that we can feel like we're sitting in class today and we're like, how is this? going to apply to us tomorrow. And, and what I want to remind you today is this, is I think it is possible to live this calling and purpose and closeness in our everyday ordinary life. We spend about 70, 75 minutes in church on a week-to-week -week basis. If you make this a priority in your week, and, and, and 75 minutes. And, and my question to you today, today is this, is what are you going to do and how are you going to live out the rest of your 10,000 minutes for the week? That is where the tension lies. And what I want to do today is I want to, I want to, and guess, I guess I want to inspire you to live out these practice, practices. I want you to live out your proximity and closeness to Jesus in your work. And when I say work, I don't want to exclude anybody because I understand that some people actually wake up and you do your hair and you take a shower. You have to have to actually put a full set of clothes on. You know what I'm saying? You're not on Zoom, so then you have your boxers on the bottom and shirt and tie on top. Like, like some of us actually go and we punch in and we, and we clock out and, and yet some of us, we, we do other types of work and we stay at home and we lead our family and then there are students here and you're going to class. And so I don't think this excludes anybody whatsoever. I believe God wants to leverage his closeness to us to live out his purpose within our work in order to kind of dive a little deeper and be equipped in order to do that. We need to open up to Colossians 3, Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. If you have your Bibles open up to that, Colossians 3.22 says slaves. And for this context, that's not something that, that we're completely familiar with. So, so let's say this, workers, obey your earthly bosses in everything. Obey your masters in everything and do, and do it. Okay, how many know like sometimes your boss will tell you to do something. There's a whole nother thing to actually do it. You know, so some of you need to be reminded of that. Not only, so do the things they ask you, not only when their eyes are on you, 
to be able to carry favor upon you, but with sincerity of heart and reverence to the Lord. So, so in essence, what, what is being said here is this, obey your earthly masters, and when they're watching you or when they're not watching you, guess what you should do? You should work as if you are working unto the Lord. That if you're going to impress any about any, any, anybody about anything when it comes to your work and how you work, it's not necessarily your boss, it's not the owner of your business, but it is the owner of your eternity, Jesus Christ. Verse 23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human, for, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Jesus Christ that you are serving. I just sense someone walked into this place and you needed that reminder that you're not working for your boss. You're supposed to be working for Jesus. Some of you understand the tensions and, uh, of not necessarily being happy with the context in which you work or who you work with. And because of that, it is so easy to begin to nitpick. It's, it's so easy to become disappointed uh, in, in what is happening or what is not happening. Some of you, uh, you, you, you don't maybe work for someone. Maybe you are a boss yourself and your profits are not where they're supposed to be. So it is just so easy to step into a moment like this and just be absolutely dissatisfied within your working experience. And I think something that would transform you is if you would begin to see your worship, your work as a form and an opportunity to worship the Lord. It's not something that you have not heard of before, but this is just a reminder that guess what? We are called to leverage our closeness with Jesus for the tool, for a tool of the kingdom of God. That our work, albeit it might feel small, our, 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 our home life, our, our student life, whatever it might be, it might just feel really simple and it might, not feel, it might not feel very spiritual. But what I want to remind you today that God wants us to leverage our closeness for his kingdom. And in order to help you leverage your work to be as worship, I want to give you just six, six uh, tips. Can I do that today? Number one, if we are going to leverage our work and worship the God, then we need to do it with excellence. Can I hear an amen, somebody? I don't know if I really need to emphasize on this much. I don't know if I really need to give you, uh, uh, give you any great illustrations about it, but I can tell you this is, is, um, is sometimes we can't define excellence when we're in it, but I can tell you we can definitely define excellence when it is not there. And when it comes to your workspace, are you working with excellence no matter what you are doing? And if you are, I believe it will be a form of worship to the Lord, as Colossians has mentioned. The second tip would be this, if we're going to uh, use our work as a form of worship to God, we need to work with integrity. That's your opportunity to agree with me. Come on, somebody, with integrity. I mean, we, we need integrity in this world. You know what I'm saying? That too many people and too many organizations and too many businesses, man, they're cutting corners to make more profit. And, and I believe God calls us to be a people of integrity. And if we're going to be full of integrity, then we need to be people of truth that is followed up with boldness. Can I hear an Amen. Because truth-telling is one of the most difficult things to do, and it requires boldness. Because when we feel like, again, we leverage our relationship and we're disciplined to, to lean towards Jesus and, and, and we feel close to him and we hear his voice, I'll tell you what, there is a tension to live out truth in our everyday schedule. If the Holy Spirit is prompting you to be bold in a situation and to proclaim some element of truth, will we do it? 
And, and you know what, here's the deal. There's just a tension in front of us. And I, but I'm so thankful that there are, there are people that live within the kingdom of God and within their kingdom purpose, purpose that they, they speak in truth and operate out of boldness. Uh, just, just this last weekend, I was with our table community and a, a woman had spoke about how she had gone th- to Mayo and there was a few issues uh, that they were concerned about. And because of that, she was at a couple of appointments and she was just full of anxiety. And I know how some of you know how that feels. And she's going through all the what ifs and she's, she's really feeling um, uh, really down and, and not sure exactly how she's going to navigate the next couple hours. And, and she said when she, really at, at the peak of her anxiety, she was sitting there and this nurse or someone who was kind of hosting her at the moment, just out of nowhere, with no conversation that would prompt this whatsoever, not knowing that this woman who's feeling this anxiety is a a follower of Jesus Christ. This woman interrupts her, puts her hand on her shoulder or her forearm and says this, eyes on him. To be people of integrity, to to be people of impact, we need to be full of truth and we need to have boldness. It is not easy to step out and be the voice and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Does anybody relate to that? Anybody agree with me? It is hard to do that, so let us be people of integrity. How about number three? I think this is a good idea, a good tip, is uh, if we're going to use our work as a form of worship, then we need to work with joy. Can someone put a smile on their face as they're looking at me today? It would help me, please. Honestly, joy is not an underrated principle. It is a transformational and tangible thing that can alter a atmosphere. Uh, To have joy is to truly change a room that is full of darkness and bring light into it. One of my most joyous pastor friends in town called me this last weekend and uh, in the midst of sharing kind of these dumb dad jokes back and forth one to another. Uh, he, he actually got to the point of why he called me and he said, hey, this last week my wife was in the hospital and, and again, the tension and, and the anxieties there and we're just kind of trying to figure out what's going on and what we're going to do next. And, and I just called to tell you that, that in between rooms there was a nurse that was helping my wife and in mid-conversation this joyous conversation, his wife found out that the nurse was from Echo and was just so encouraged and and, and was just full of joy. Even in the midst of anxiety and stress of the unknown, this nurse uh, stepped up within her calling and brought joy to their lives. So I said, Tyler, I said, can you give me a little maybe definition or like, can you define who this is? Cause I'd love to find out who is. He goes, oh, I don't know. She was young and she was blonde. And I said, well, that does me nothing. <laughs> I said, we have about 50 of them and I'm not even sure if half of them are, have real blonde tendencies. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I can't help you with that. So my wife's a hairstylist, so I can, I think I can get away with that joke. So um, I'll find out later with an email or two. So um, I should show you some pictures of when I was young and I bleached my hair. So that was good day. It was good days. It's good days. But anyway, would we be people of joy? Number four, uh, if we're if we're going to leverage worship or work as a form of worship, then I think we need to work with relationship and community in mind. With relationship and community in mind, it is so easy to go into our work and think about our plans and our purposes and our profit and forget about the people the whole time. And I believe God wants you to step into your workspace and the primary focus isn't just on profit, but it is on people. 
And I, I just think there's some people here, you, maybe you're a boss or maybe you're a manager and, 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 and you've got your little program and plan and your schedule during the week. And I, I just wonder if, if maybe the Holy Spirit is prompting you to, to schedule more opportunity for you to invest into your people. I'm just wondering if God would use you as a boss that would lead people spiritually in your workplace. Number five, how about this? Work for a kingdom impact. If we are going to leverage work to be worship unto the Lord, then we need to be kingdom-minded individuals, seeing that, that our work in a very tangible way can bring worship to God. But I think there's a problem, and that problem is this, is there is a fine line between work as a form of worship and turning work into worship. Y'all get what I'm saying? It is so easy to, to, to cross over the fine line and really the cliff of, of the difference of saying, you know what, I want to leverage my work as a form of worship and honor to God, but it is so easy to cross over the line and begin to worship our work. So many of us, we are looking for, for value and we're looking for worth. We're, we're, we're looking uh, to prove ourselves. We're, we're, we entrench ourselves within self-justification and, and we get so busy because we're trying to hit a certain acclaim or some kind of status. And I just want to warn you that, that all good things can be turned into bad things if we lose the focus and, and I just understand that is the tension that we all have to live in is that God wants us to leverage our work as worship but he does not want us to worship our work y'all get what I'm saying Jeff Hannon is a pastor and he's also the founder of the Denver Institute of Faith and Work and he observes there are three uh, um, really uh, indicators that we might have turned our work into worship, that we've turned our work into an idol in our life. And three of those identifiers is this, is exhaustion. And we're exhausted because what we do is all-consuming. The second identifier is this, is pride. Pride in what we are doing. Pride into what we are achieving pride into the acclaim or what, we're, what, what people see us as. And then the last indicator is this, is fear. That our work has become an idol in our life because we are fear-based. And a lot of us, we maybe go into uh, work and, and, and we just carry this idea if we're a boss or maybe we're a manager that if it's not, if I don't do it, then it won't be done. And we're fear driven through our work day. Timothy Keller, one of my favorite pastors and authors say this is many modern people seek a kind of salvation, self-esteem and self-worth from career success. And this leads us to seek only high-paying, high-status jobs and to worship them in perverse ways. Richard Foster, another favorite author, says this, the modern hero is the poor boy who purposefully becomes rich rather than the rich boy who voluntarily becomes poor. Covetedness, we call ambition. Hoarding, we call prudence. Greed, we call industry. And what we end up doing is this, is we turn what a potential opportunity it is for us to worship God into something we idolize and what we begin to worship. We begin to focus on profit or the paycheck when I believe God wants to redirect our, our focus to the purpose and his plan for us to be priests while we are at our work space. I believe God is calling us to pray for people 
to lead people, to represent God in the context that you spend a lot of time in and, 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 and in order to, to leverage the closeness that we have with Jesus so that we lead others closer to him. The sixth and last tip that I'm gonna give you today is this, is I believe God has called us to be priests and shepherds to work with creativity. That God has uniquely designed all of us to do a kingdom work specifically to who you are. If you've ever been to Echo Culture, we emphasize on, uh, on this idea that God has shaped you uniquely for his purpose. And, 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 I, and I would say this, if you've never gone through Echo Culture, you've never heard of that concept, I've encouraged you to join us in one of those soon. But God has uniquely shaped you for kingdom purpose. And, and I just sense that, that and I kind of have this dream. We're, we are a church full of creatives. And, and I just have this dream that we would one day, sooner rather than later, begin to leverage those unique giftings for his kingdom and for his worship to be done on this earth and through you. One of my favorite verses about how you are uniquely gifted and shaped for his kingdom work is this in Proverbs twenty two twenty nine. 29. It says, do you see someone skilled in their work? For they will serve before kings and they will not serve before officials of low ranks. I sense that there are individuals here that you are gifted and you are gifted with excellence and you're gifted with joy and you are gifted with, with a very specific thing and God wants to leverage it for his kingdom but it will require you to see it in a different light which is what I call creativity to see what God has given you and to ultimately apply it into your life, into your workspace or your future opportunity for his kingdom. I thought I could give you a few illustrations, but I stumbled upon a video this week that really illustrates an individual who I believe had this sense of closeness with Jesus and Jesus close to her. And because of that, she heard and she followed the creative work that God has to her, for her to do on this earth. Check out this video. I was trapped in a 10 block radius for well over 20 years. And I sold myself as if I was a commodity. And I never dreamed that I would get my life back. In my household, there was a lot of abuse um, that led me to using drugs, and then it led me also into the prison system. Being as young as I was, I felt like there was no way out. My life was so, oh God, it was so much confusion. Thistle Farms is a justice social enterprise dedicated to helping women who are survivors of trafficking, addiction, and prostitution recover and heal. None of the women that we serve at Thistle Farms ended up on the streets by themselves. It took a whole bunch of broken systems and broken communities that really rolled out a red carpet. That story is borne by the women of Thistle Farms who on average are first rate between the ages of seven and 11 and first hit the streets between 14 and 16 years old. Women just don't choose to be on the streets or selling themselves. If you go back, you will find some traumatic circumstances that have happened in each woman's life that have made them feel like this is all I have or this is the only way that I'm going to get someone to love me. At Thistle Farms, we believe that women deserve a second chance at life. But the amazing thing to me is many of the women we serve, this is their first chance at life. You know, if they entered into trafficking at the age of five or six, they never had a fair shake. And this may be the first time a community has invested in them to say, now's your time. We do this by providing safe housing, good jobs, and a lifelong sisterhood of support. When I came here, my whole world changed. Everything. Everything that I needed was provided for me, from mental health meds to the physical help that I needed, dental, vision, free of charge for me. 
Nobody cared about my background because I probably wouldn't have a job, <laughs> you know. Um, it was just a blessing to be able to come somewhere and to get training. See, I struggled so long with knowing if, if I was loved. That had a lot to do with me being in addiction for so long because I didn't think anybody cared, anybody loved. But every day, the women in this community, they love me. I have never been welcomed and not judged. And in my interview, my boss said, it doesn't matter about your past or what you're in prison for or what you did. None of that matters. Tell me what you do now for your recovery, for yourself, for your sobriety. And that was different. It was something I had never experienced. People will love you so much. They love you back to life. I truly believe that love does heal. I like the fact that I go to work and I pay bills. And it's just different. It's just different being here on the other side. Without Thistle Farms, I don't know exactly where I'd be. I don't know. I had always been in a situation where I got to give something to get something, but this was one of those programs that we give and we give and we give, and all we want you to do is learn how to love yourself. And we're gonna keep loving on you until you learn how to, and now I love me to death. I do, I love, I love me to death now. <laughs> I do. <laughs>
what should be maybe at their workspace today or workplace today, but maybe it's something that you're calling them to create themselves. Lord, remind us and help us to bring you worship by the way that we work, but help us not cross over that fine line of turning our work into an idol. We lean close to you and we invite you to leave with us today, to live out those 10,000 minutes this week with you by our side. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, will you stand up as we prepare to take communion? We also are going to pray the prayer that we pray every week as a reminder that Jesus invites us to the table. And that we are to invite others as we have been invited. Let us pray and we will take communion together. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority. Amen. And Jesus, we remember you through communion. We remember that this, this bread is a reminder that your body was broken for me. And we remember that your blood, you paid the cost that we might experience your love, that we might be invited to the table. And yet you also invite us at that table to leave and worship you through our work. So we welcome you into this place, into our life, into our ordinary week. In Jesus' name, amen. You may partake.
Pastor Andy said something today about you might not always know you're in excellence, but you know when there's not excellence. And I was thinking about that Thistle Farms video when she talked about the idea that love is a really powerful, really big idea. And I can't always, I can't always tell when love's everywhere, but I can tell you when love is nowhere, right? You know when love's not in the room. And love is the most powerful force for change on the planet. I don't know about you guys, but my phone doesn't work great in here, but I want to know like what Thistle Farms was doing. Like I wanted to Google it and look into it and see it. And it's amazing. She references the idea of like one candle at a time. She said, I wish I would have dreamed bigger earlier. And I just wonder sometimes if we're just missing out on the thing that God's putting right in front of us. Just this, whatever this thing is, this reminder to be love at work this week, this reminder to be a little more patient, this reminder to be a little more, man, have even the boldness to say, hey, can I pray with you? I prefer you not to lose your job. Just personally, I don't want you to do that. So like, don't put yourself out there quite to that far. But man, maybe we need to get a little closer to, to be emboldened work, a little closer to just be emboldened in our lives, a little more willing like we heard about those nurses today, man. God bless nurses. Now, one of the things I want to I want to encourage you in is we love it when people come to Echo for the first time. Like we love it, but we know it's kind of odd sometimes. It's odd to come into a new church. So one of the things we like to do is celebrate you for coming because we know it takes a little extra. Would you guys do me a favor and celebrate those that are new today coming in the building? And we want to celebrate those that said the prayer with us for the very first time. Let's give it up for those people today too. Come on, come on. 